Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Open up to our sermon lesson for today, to Jonah chapter 4, where we're going to read the last chapter of the book of Jonah. The final scene begins this way. I'm going to actually back it up. I'm going to read the last verse of verse 3 for you. Ready? So, when God saw what the great city of Nineveh did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life away, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, I am so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for that great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? The word of God. Maybe it's a drama. I mean, if you think about the book of Jonah, and I'm talking about the real historical prophetical book of Jonah, not a watered down, sanitized, so kids can read it version of the story of Jonah. But what if this, this biblical book of Jonah was made into a movie? What genre would it be? Drama? After all, it's pretty serious. Or maybe it'd be like a thriller 
You know, there's some suspense here. Chapter one, Jonah runs from God. Is he going to get away? Chapter two, he, he falls into the sea. Is he going to be saved? And he's swallowed by a whale. Is he going to make it out? Three, chapter three, is, is Nineveh going to be saved? Suspense. Maybe, maybe you think it's an action, action-packed film. After all, it does start out with a Jason Bourne-like chase scene, God chasing after Jonah. Then there's a fight scene. He's pummeled into the ocean, gobbled by a whale. Then Jonah's running again through the violent streets of Nineveh with a message of destruction. That's action-packed. Maybe it's a horror. After all, it opens up with men, the sailors, crying because they're so afraid. Chapter two, Jonah's buried alive. Chapter three, we're horrified by the behavior of Jonah. What would it be? What genre would it be? I think it would be fun to discuss that, debate it. I think maybe you could pick all of those. But there's one theme or one genre that is unmistakably clear. It's mystery. In the book of Jonah, reading it straight through, reading it without any preconceived ideas about Jonah or any knowledge about how it ends, there's mystery here. Chapter 1 opens up with a great call from our great God to his prophet to go and speak God's word. But he runs away. Why? If you're just looking at scene number one, it doesn't say. Scene number two, you see Jonah trying so hard to get away from God that he, that he gets suicidal. What would make someone do that? What would make someone who is a pastor just want to get away from God so much that, that he jumps into the ocean? Chapter three, we read that here's a great city takes three days to see it. Jonah's called to preach to the whole city. This goes in one day and out. Why? Jonah, why, why did you do that? Why did you just go in, you know, check the box? Not really care. There's mystery. There's mystery in Jonah until you turn the page from chapter three to chapter four. And everything's clear. The mystery, it's solved. Jonah says it. Backing up to the last verse of chapter three, we read this, that when God saw what Nineveh did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction he threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, while I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious God, that you are a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. In one of scripture's most comical scenes, what you see is a group of people 
so sorry for their sins, so repentant they were in Nineveh that they even dressed up their animals in sackcloth and had them get down in the ashes to show God just how sorry they were. And then because of what, well, is kind of comical, you see one of those phenomenal scenes in scripture because God, through the preaching of his word, converts the hearts of hundreds and thousands of people. The whole city, they turn back to God. And yet, amid all this goodness, you see where there really is evil. And the mystery of why Jonah did what he did becomes crystal clear. No more acting. He just says it. He tells us why in chapter one, he ran from God, literally did everything he could to get away from him. He didn't want God's love to abide in Nineveh. Chapter two, he jumped in because he said it, it would have been better for him to die than that they know the mercy of God. Chapter three, he just goes and, you know, does the bare minimum, preaches a stinky sermon. Why? He could care less if God showed these people compassion. The gig's up. In chapter four, Jonah just says it. When God saw what Nineveh did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. The English doesn't actually begin to, to capture just how, how messed up Jonah's heart is. What it says in Hebrew is that this was evil. It was very evil to Jonah. Oh, Jonah was okay being a prophet in Israel. He was okay that God's promise of a savior was spoken to the nation of Israel. He loved it that the shalom, the peace of the Lord rested on his people. But the moment he was told to take it to other peoples, no, Jonah's out. You can call him nationalistic, xenophobic, racist, just plain angry. But what's clear is that Jonah is angry because God is loving. He says so himself. What Jonah 4 does is provide a really rare moment in the Old Testament and really all of Scripture. What Jonah chapter 4 does is it gives us insight into one of God's people's, well, their emotional and their spiritual health. This is what we see in the prophet Jonah. And what the Spirit does through Jonah chapter 4, what he directs us to is to inspect our emotional and our spiritual health and how these things are connected. What we're going to do today is look at three dangers, three spiritual dangers of anger. We're also going to walk with Jonah through God's brief anger management program. But before all that, what we need to do is really step back and unpack just why it is that 
Jonah is so angry with God. Jonah starts it out with this way. He says, this is what caused him anger. It's really an ironic anger. It seemed very wrong to Jonah. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. There is an irony in Jonah's anger, an anger that has occurred in in God's people from the beginning of time, an anger that happens today all too frequently and too easily in people who call themselves followers of God, who know who God is. It's that Jonah became angry quickly because God is slow to anger. Jonah got mad because you have a God who is glad to just give it all away, give away all the goods to all the people. That's what made Jonah so mad that he had compassion, that he had love, that he relented on Nineveh to the point where it made Jonah want to take his own life. Jonah, in what universe, in what world would it actually be better for you to die than for other people to know the grace and the love and the forgiveness of God? You see what's going on with the irony, don't you? Throughout this story, throughout the book of Jonah, we've talked about how Jonah is satire. And even, even in the middle of his anger, What the satire here in Scripture does, what all of Scripture does, is it points you to someone greater than Jonah. Because Jonah asked the question. He made the point. It'd be better for him to die than to live. And it wasn't true with Jonah. But there is one person in all of history for whom it is true that it was better. It was better for him to die than to live. What even... Scripture does in the moments where we see sin and we see Jonah's anger, it points you to your Savior. Do you have anger at anyone for any reason? Look at Jesus. God so wanted to give you compassion that what he did is move all time in history to bring about your Savior's passion and bring you into that story. Look at the life of Christ. God so wanted to give you that life, his life, for eternal life, that he gave up his own kid so he would give up his life. And now you have hope. Now you have identity. Now you have security. Now you have joy. Now you have all of the compassion of God. Because what did God do? He took his anger that rested on sinners and he removed it. And in that place... He gave you his grace. So now we have to wrestle with the real mystery here. Why is a group of people who know that, who know that gospel, so angry, still angry? Maybe it's unfair that I assume you're angry. But look at the culture and how anger has become almost a virtue, not something that's just acceptable or allowable, but that 
it's a virtue. And if you're not passionate, if you're not angry about something, there's something wrong with you. In some circles, it's, it's almost synonymous that, well, Christians, they, they get angry about these things. But when is anger ever justifiable? You're not God. We don't get to have righteous anger. Only the righteous one does. Perhaps there's a little more Jonah in all of us than we'd like to admit. We love the idea of grace. We love the idea that we are saved by it and it alone. We love the idea that God is love and God loves me and God loves my family and God loves the family I have at church. God loves my neighbor who shovels my sidewalk. God loves the smiley UPS guy that drops off my mail. And it's great. We love that God loves everybody. But what happens when you see God wrap his arms around that someone It just rubs you the wrong way. What happens when you see God do that and that's someone who grinds your gears and no, doesn't just annoy you, but maybe they've hurt you. What happens when you see God do that and and they like it? They love that they're loved by God. When God goes full Nineveh, on the people in our lives who have hurt us, who we think are wrong, who who commit the most heinous crimes? Do you go full Jonah? Maybe not shouting out loud that it'd be better for you to die. But what takes place in your heart when you hear that God loves everybody? That's what this scripture calls us to look at and calls us to see. This is the question that we want to consider first this morning. If you're taking notes, if you are still angry, here's a question. Do you not understand what happened to God's anger? If you have anger for any circumstance or any person in your life, do you not understand what happened to God's anger? And I know it's easy to forget, so let's give ourselves a reminder. Here's what happened with God's anger. On a day we call good, Good Friday, God's anger was exercised. It was exercised because God put all sin on his son and his wrath was exacted there. There we see God be just and God be judge. But on Easter, God's wrath, God's anger was satisfied. What Easter proves is that Christ's fulfillment of everything for you took away God's anger. And in place, he's given you nothing but grace. And now all God does is look at you with joy and favor. This is what I want you to see this morning. I want you to see that when God looks at you, what he is, is a doting father just smiling, delighting at his daughter. When he looks at you, all he sees is his son who he is proud of. And it's not because of anything that you've done. He just loves you that much. And what I want you to know is that God looks at all people that way. Everyone. Here's some real irony for you. This past week, as I was preparing for a sermon about anger, I was taking a break during the middle of the day and I read the news and I'm sorry you can't see it. So I'll tell you what the first four headlines were that popped up. The first one on Google News was about the Gabby Petito case. And I read the article and 
got angry that there are people who, who do harm to our society's most vulnerable, women and children. Went back, looked at the next stories, and was reminded that terrorism is a problem. Read the next story, and it was about the shooting just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, where a woman was innocently killed in Kroger and 14 other people were harmed. And what built inside of me was not joy, was not happiness, is feelings of resentment and anger that this happens in our world. And it wasn't directed at God, because I know God's not responsible for evil. It was directed at the people who do it. And yet, what has God been doing since Easter Sunday? For all of those, even, even those people who do those crimes, God has been walking around with a chain cutter, releasing people from their sin, releasing people from their guilt. God is that judge who listens to the entire crime, who hears the whole story, and then at the end of the trial gets down off his stand and gives a hug to the worst of criminals and said, I forgive you because in Christ Jesus, all your sins have been forgiven. And so if you're still angry, perhaps you and I need a reminder about what happened to God's anger. God's anger that, that was directed at us, who are, we can say with the Apostle Paul, the chief of sinners. That God, God removed his anger. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Just like so many others, just like those people that that you can picture, will make you mad. But that's why we need Jonah chapter four. I wish it ended at chapter three, happily ever after. I wish that it was done there where we see hearts turn to God and we celebrate and rejoice in that. But instead of it ending in happily ever after, chapter four ends in Jonah angrily ever after. But we need to see it because what happens here is the Spirit works to, to really impress on us that there is a serious danger with us letting anger rule in our hearts and in our lives. I want to quickly give three of them to you. Here's the first. Jonah does this after what God did in forgiving the Ninevites. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen. Here's the first thing that anger does. Here's the first spiritual danger of anger, is that anger distances you from people. Recall back to chapter one. What we talked about there was that God calls people to show grace and mercy to other people in your life. In other words, God gives more than pastors divine calls. He gives each and every one of you a call to people in your life to show them mercy, to speak grace to them. And when we're angry at them, well, it distances us from them and our calling. You say, what's the spiritual danger with this? When you refuse to answer the calls that God has given you, you are not just running from a call, you're running from God. And when you sin against the people you're called to, you're sinning against your God. That's the first one 
but it gets even worse. After Jonah went out and built a shelter, the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He waited to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. See, Jonah's not only a bad prophet, he's also a very bad shelter builder. Because if he had been better, he would have had shade over his head. But what happened when he was in these really awful circumstances that he was in by no fault of his own? Well, God came to him. God came to him and sent a plant to to grow up and, and give him shade. But when that disappeared, what happened? Full-on meltdown, like a toddler's tantrum. Jonah loses it over a plant and cries out to the Lord that he would rather self-destruct than have his plant taken away. See what's going on? Anger, danger. Number two is that anger distorts your view of reality. Might ask the question again, how is that a spiritual danger? Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you a question. Who gave Jonah that plant? Don't answer it. Got it. Got to answer that question. In the very next verse, he said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. God provided this to Jonah. And what I want you to see is the context in which God showed even grace upon grace to Jonah. Jonah is fuming. Jonah is just boiling in his sin of anger. And what does God do? He helps him. He gives more gifts to him. He cares for him. He loves him. You see, so often what happens when we experience anger is, well, let's call it a spiritual flight or fight. Either we flee from our callings or we think we're somehow at odds with God, that he's against us. He's not. Even in your anger, your God is with you. He cares for you. He provides for you. He shelters you. And you need to know that because that's what Jonah missed. And that's what leads us to the third spiritual danger that we find in anger. Anger distorts not only your view of reality, but anger disillusions you with the Lord. What you see throughout Jonah chapter four in just these short 11 verses is God systematically questioning Jonah, his prophet, going toe to toe with his prophet in order to defend who he is that he is the God of grace, that he is the God of goodness, that he is the God of the gospel. Because you see, at the very beginning, Jonah didn't just have a misunderstanding about God. No, he knew exactly who God was, and he questioned that. Here's what he said. Jonah, he prayed to the Lord, and he says, that, your grace, that, 
is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life away, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah said to God, I don't like who you are. You see, Jonah didn't just mischaracterize God or maybe misunderstand God and then blame him for that. He didn't say, God, you're some eye in the sky who's distant and removed from your people. No, that's not who God is. He didn't say that. He didn't say, God, you're a mean God who's harsh and who, who makes people do all sorts of things in order for them to win back your favor. No, he didn't say that because that is not who God is. He went right at God's essence, right at his essential attributes of who he is. These aren't Jonah's words. What Jonah's doing here is quoting what some people have called the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. It is a creed. It is a stanza that gets repeated again and again on the pages of the New Testament that God is gracious, that he is compassionate, that he's slow to anger, and this is who he is. You want to know God? He abounds in love. And Jonah said, I don't like that. Exactly who you are and exactly how you call yourself, that's what I have a problem with. Jonah is disillusioned with God. And that is the scariest of all places to be in a place of anger. And you think about how our own anger does that. We get in a circumstance or we get at odds with someone that that we don't like, or someone who has really hurt us. And we say, God, why do you let these things happen to me? God, why is it that you allow evil? God, why aren't you listening to my prayers or answering them? God, why is it that you're not here with me? And what this disillusionment of God really does is betray exactly who God is and what he wants to be for you, here, with you, giving to you all of his gifts of grace and mercy. So what does God do? What does God do to Jonah? Take a lightning bolt and boom, done. Finally, this is it, right? No, what God does is take Jonah through an anger management program albeit a brief one. And we're going to walk through it with Jonah. But before we do that, let's think about that. Anger management program somehow instills the idea that God is going to teach us how we can handle our own anger. It's far from the reality. It's more of a God's anger abandonment program. What God does in this brief verse that's coming up is he reaches into Jonah's hands and our hearts And he takes away our anger so that doesn't live there to threaten us spiritually or emotionally any longer. Listen to what God does. In the closing verses of this book, God, the Lord, said to Jonah, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern 
for that great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. This is God's anger abandonment program. He asks one simple question. Jonah, you were super concerned about a plant, something that's not even a person. Should I not be much more concerned about thousands of people? Done. That's it. Boom. End of the book. There's no chapter 5. There's no chapter 4, verse 12. It ends on a question. God asks a question of Jonah and of you and me to get all people on earth for really eternity to answer that question for ourselves. Is it right? Is it right for God to want to give his grace to all people, even the most evil of people? It's it. It doesn't end. It doesn't end with an answer. It's left for us. And now you see the brilliance of this book. God wants you to answer that question in your own heart. Should God care about all sinners? How would you answer that? I mean, how would you answer it when it really counts? We have a value here. We've had it since we started over four years ago that we make decisions based not on those who are here, but on those who are, who are coming. We make decisions not based solely on the people who are here, but on those people who aren't here yet, the people who don't know how much God loves them, the people who don't know what you know, the peace of God, and how that transcends every day of your week. Are we actually going to do that? We just celebrated four years of God's grace through our ministry. Are we actually going to keep that value when push comes to shove? We're looking to build God's church here through God's gospel. When it comes to really tough decisions, are we going to be more concerned about comfort, convenience, or are we going to be concerned with what God is. The reason why Jonah ends with a cliffhanger is for this question to grab hold of you. Are you going to go outside the city and just sit there? Because sometimes it's a whole lot easier to stay angry than actually go and engage with the people that God has called you to speak to. Are you going to complain about things and circumstances in your life when you could stop and see that grace upon grace, God has given you so many reasons to be grateful to him, to offer up to him gratitude unendingly? Are you going to become disillusioned with God, disenchanted with his community, disenfranchised with what God's church does? How are you going to answer that question? but God's not really that concerned about your answer. The truth is he wants you to think about it. But the reason why God left us at a cliffhanger was so that he could answer it definitively. Should God be concerned about sinners? 
God left this question open-ended so that years and years from them, he could come and show just how concerned he was so that you and I don't ever suffer for sins of sitting and stewing outside the city. There was a God whose name is Jesus, your Savior and Messiah, who came and hung on a cross outside of the city. And there on that cross, there was no shelter, there was no vine that grew up over his head to save him from the scorching fires of hell. But he suffered that for you, for you and for me and for everybody that looks to him and believes in him. Should God be concerned? God made it clear beyond any doubt that he was so concerned for you that he came and he suffered any worms eating you forever in an eternity of punishment. No, he took on that punishment for you so that that won't destroy you. Death won't end you. Should God not be concerned? No, he answered that question definitively so you and I know just how concerned he was. What's left? is the Holy Spirit has given you this open-ended question, given you the rest of your life to answer this question with, well, the ink of your life. To answer the question that we hope Jonah answered. That he said, yeah. That Jonah went back into the city and celebrated there with the worst of sinners who have been turned into God's sons and daughters. That's what we hope Jonah did, but we don't know. But because God came and did have concern for all of us, that's what we get to do. So the only question that remains is, should you, like God, be concerned for your city, your community? Amen. 